So our next speaker, um, Kate Clanchy, is quite hard to describe or define even. So I, I, I read her poetry as a junior doctor, and if no one's read Patagonia, read it. Um, she's the author of two prize-winning collections of poetry, but as well as that, um, her book, um, What Is She Doing Here? Refugee Story won the 2008 Writers Guild Award. Her short story, The Not Dead and the Saved, won the BBC National Short Story Award, and she's currently teaching uh, the children of refugees and discovering them and their poetry in ways that are, frankly, astonishing. It's um, a great privilege to welcome Kate Clanchy to Medicine Unbox. Kate. Middle. Hi. Sorry, that's, gosh, that's a noisy thing. Um, well, you're a bunch of doctors, um, I think. Uh, and so, you know, I don't know, medics, I feel like I should tell you what I'm allergic to, <laughs> my medical history, but I would never stop. But, um, I, I do lots of different things, as Sam just said, but I, I figured that I should be talking about sort of pain, really. So that's what I'm, go I'm going to do. I'm going to read for a short time, um, because I am a writer, that's a quite an easy thing to forget in the, in the work I do day to day. I'm going to read an e a sort of properly formed essay, um, and then I'm going to talk a bit, um, and, and then I'm going to take questions. I'm, I'm reading first because I've been working in this school for eight years. I'm in my ninth year now, um, and it's not so much it's a very it's not so much a huge project as a very human, organic, kind of messy one, and it's a bit difficult to explain what I'm doing, um, because I didn't really have a grand plan to start with. I've kind of discovered my plan as I go along. So this little essay will take you um, to, where, to where I am and to one of my starting points. I, I should say that I'm suspicious generally, and it does happen to poets, of being pushed into things to make people feel better. The idea that if they write a poem, it's sort of a very simple Freudian idea, you know, better out than India. They'll write a poem, they'll kind of vomit up their experience and then they'll feel better. Um, it doesn't lead to very good poems. It's not something I feel qualified to do. People do bring their pain quite often and I don't quite know what to do with it. So that's always been something I've been worried about. Anyway, this story um, tells you some of these things. It's sports day and Shaquilla slips from the shade behind the library blinking in the bright June sun. Miss, I wonder again what Shaquilla does to her hijab and why it seems to sit fuller and higher than the other girls, a mother superior hijab or one from a vermeer. It can't be starched. Maybe it's draped over twisted horns of hair like Carrie Fisher's in Star Wars. That would go with her furry eyebrows, her slanting, sparkling black eyes, her general Mongolian ferocity. Miss! cries Shaquilla. I won the 400 metres. You did? Isn't it Ramadan? Aren't you fasting? Shaquilla nods. I still won. And miss, I'm coming to poetry group after the hurdles. Here, poem. She hands me a sheet of A4 and dashes back into the playing field. It is 28 degrees and getting hotter. Under her rugby shirt and long trousers, Shaquilla grows thin. The poem, though, is very fine. A variation on a theme I gave the group last week, contrasting the morning Adhan from the mosque in her native Afghanistan with the alarms of her new life in England. 
I'm more interested, though, in the writing on the other side of the sheet, which he has crossed out with a single line, so the whole text is still visible and begging to be read. It's about a man sweating and a scarf and a backpack and suspicious minds. So when, because of sports day, just Lily and Priya turn up to poetry group, I ask her about it. Oh, she says, I was trying to write, you know, about terrorists. What about terrorists? But I couldn't make it work. Miss, it was too hard. Terrorists here, in this country. I'm assuming the poem is a protest against suspicion of Muslims in Britain. I'm aware there are a group of Afghans in the neighborhood now. The local cafe has a new name and a map of Afghanistan on the wall and an invitation to order a whole sheep 24 hours in advance. <laughs> I got in a discussion with the cook about the poet Rumi. He looked just like Shaquille, I come to think of it, so maybe... No, miss, says Shaquille, eyes snapping, ivory fingers blossoming in scorn. In England, there are no terrorists in England. She's from Afghanistan, says Lily. She means the Taliban. Lily is an alternative, oh, Lily is an alternative type, a goth with heavy eyeliner who always knocks about with the black girls. Nevertheless, I assume this is a white stereotype, and I'm about to correct her when Shaquille nods more vehement than ever. Miss, I am Hazara people. Like the kite runner, says Lily, glancing at me smugly. <laughs> I don't know, says Shaquille. It's a book, I say, about Afghanistan. It's on the A-level, isn't it, Lily? The Taliban, says Shaquille, hate us. When my mum went to get our visa, miss, the bus was bombed. Not her bus, but the one in front. Miss, I thought she would never come home. But, says Lily, I thought you was Muslim. She offers me a monster munch. Usually, at Poetry Group, Shaquille brings us cherries and strawberries shining like the roses in her cheeks. She and Priya are pale today. I am Muslim, says Shaquille. I am Shia. What's that? asked Lily. I raise an eyebrow. Clearly, this wasn't in the kite runner. <laughs> A different kind of Muslim, I supply, like Protestant and Catholic. The Taliban hate the Shia, says Shaquille flatly. They kill us all the time. Priya leans across the table. Her hijab is soft, striped, and biblical. Her teeth in braces. Her face is so often full of delicate feeling. She is from Bangladesh originally, a Sunni. Miss, she says, but she's talking to Shakila. When I found out about that, when I learned that there are other kinds of Muslim, I didn't believe it. I said to my teacher in the mosque, this is not true. How can this be? There is only one Quran, says Shakila. There is only one Allah. Priya says, Miss, don't laugh. When I was a little girl, I thought the television was true. I mean, the black and white. I thought the past was black and white, Miss. I thought England was black and white. When I found out about Shia and Sunni, it was like that for me. I mean, when I found I was wrong. You should write that down, says Lily. This is poetry group. <laughs> How old was you when you came here, Priya? Six. Me, I was 14, says Shakila. Sunni, Shia, there is no difference, really, says Priya. Just some prayers. Wait, do you whip yourselves? No, snorts Shakila. I mean, not really. <laughs> it is a thingy, a symbol. She leans her hijab to Priya's hijab, puts her hands across the table. You know, she says, in my country, they taught this terrorist, this bomber. They put him on television. They said he was doing it for the Taliban, but he didn't know anything. He did not know, and she breaks into Arabic, sharp and triumphant. As-salam al-akam, 
and then Priya replies, and both girls bow their heads. What's that? asked Lily, and Shakila gazes at her. A salutation, she says. A Muslim says it to a Muslim. Everyone knows that. Except the Taliban fighter didn't know it, I say, or not with a gun to his head. But, says Lily, this bloke, the Taliban bloke on the telly, was he the same as in your poem? No, says Shakila. This was another one. Priya raises her head. How can a Muslim hate another Muslim? Miss, it is terrible, miss. A real terrorist, says Lily, in your poem, like you met him. Yes, says Shakila. I saw him in the street, in the market. I had this feeling he's wrong. He's sweating. He wears all these clothes. What clothes? Like, you know, jacket, big thingy, scarf, big trousers. It is hot. It is summer. I had a feeling. Run away. Run away from this guy. I catch my friend's hand. We run. Yes, says Lily. But was he real? A real terrorist? Yes, says Shakila. Real. I ran. I screamed. I ran. Everyone ran. There was an explosion. I was hiding behind a thingy. Wall. He was in a bomb. He exploded. You heard it. Boom. And then the bell rings for a long time. And we flinch from its noise. Priya says, you need a frame for your poem. Miss, give her a frame. A frame. They've learned my mantra. A frame, I say every week. Try this frame. Never tell me about. Certainly not. Unload your trauma. And still, they tell me these terrible things. Yes, says Shakila. A frame. How shall I say it, miss? I haven't the slightest idea. Shakila folds her hands on her bag, waits. That, says Lily, was a really good discussion. I reckon we should have filmed it. Like for RE, I have to go. <laughs> and she goes. So does Priya, leaving me to search my mind for the right frame for a poem about recognizing a terrorist in the marketplace and then running away. Shakila says, Miss, you know bombs, miss? The worst thing is they cut you. They cut off bits of you, miss, like your feet, your leg. And when the bomb goes off, miss, those thingies, body parts, I suggest, automatically, yes. Shakila, uh, Shakila's eyes brighten as they do when she cites a really fine piece of vocabulary, body parts. Body parts, they land in the town around. Did that happen in that bomb, I ask, the bomb in your poem? Did you see that? Miss, she said, there was a head, a whole head. His head, I ask, the terrorists. Just, she says, you know, a head. Right, I say. I look at the sunlight coming in the slats of the blinds, and I suggest that the interrogative mood might be good for poems like this, and short lines probably in regular stanzas, a ballad, perhaps, or a set of instructions. How to recognize a terrorist. Shakila says she will send me the poem by email. And then she leaves. I sit and stare, listen to the roar of the children finding their classrooms, the silence as the doors close and the register is taken. This is an orderly school, I remind myself, a just one, a safe one. As Lily said, it is beautiful to see Shakila and Priya extend hands across the table. More people should know. Then I think I will go to the staff room and find someone to tell. 
there will be someone there, someone to listen and counter with some equal horrifi equally horrifying tale, and we will rehearse all the interventions available, all the help school extends, which is good help, the best available anywhere, the best anyone can do. We will remind each other, this is why we work here, why our school does so well, our multicultural intake, our refugee pupils, so motivated, so very often brilliant, so, in the modern parlance, vibrant. But it won't do any good. Here in my ears is the sound of a bomb, a homemade one, a glass and fertilizer one, in a small town in Afghanistan, and it sounds like the school bell. And here on the desk, disguised as a sheet of A4 paper, is a head cut off at the neck, its eyes shut, its bloodstains minimal, its skin green, greenish like John the Baptist on a plate. Shaquilla's head in its elaborate hijab, for how else am I to picture the Hazara people, Persian speakers, lovers of the poet Rumi, eaters of apricots, guardians of the Buddhas of Bamyan, other than as my dear, my swift-running Shaquilla. Does she feel the lighter of it, I wonder? Now it is me who has to carry the head home? Or will it be equally heavy, however often it is passed? Just as much a head? Well, we can find out. Shaquilla's head, the weight of it, the warmth, the cheekbones, the brains. Here you are. Catch. So I guess um, that's a trauma. I mean, it's trauma to traumatic to be told about it. It's traumatic to have it passed to you. Um, it's certainly traumatic to experience. It, 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 it's pain that couldn't be expressed, pain that couldn't be registered, pain that, pain that wasn't held um, at the time. And there's, there are so many traumas in my school they don't all come from the refugee pupils, I'd like to say. I would say the most traumatized kids I know are white and poor um, and have seen their parents do terrible things in front of them or die and have um, addictions. But certainly the, anybody who's crossed a continent has been through some kind of a trauma. And then there's me and what I'm supposed to be doing about it. I'm not a therapist, I'm a writer, and I kind of, I have the, I'm on this sort of self-appointed mission to produce excellent poetry, um, which actually is a very great place to do that because uh, uh, um, Shakila, for example, has an illiterate parent who sings in Persian and recites in Persian all the time, and who has th all the songs of her people inside her, and so she has become a brilliant poet, and I have seen that happen several times over with different kids from different backgrounds. They bring the poetry of their parents, very often parents who can't actually write, and that's an advantage to them, and they bring it into English with, with great sort of richness and beauty. So I can do that bit of the task. But what I'm, what I'm supposed to do with the processing of the pain is something that worries, worries me a lot. Um, but as that was five years ago when um, Shaquilla told me about the head, and since then, I think um, you know, I've learned more and I've got more confident in myself and what I'm doing. And I do think that to write um, is 
it can be a powerful way of resolving trauma, but it's not the kind of, you know, vomit on the table, then you feel better process. It's more, it's about control. If you can gain control of writing well, and you become confident in your voice, then you can frame your own experience, you can hold your own experience in your own words. Um, and that can become, that, that is a powerfully helpful thing. But it's not that sort of Freudian motion of out and then better. Um, and I so you might like to know, so, so um, Shaquilla went on, she did really well in her GCSE, she found the A-levels much harder, she carried on writing, she did an extra year at school and resat the A-levels. Round about lower sixth, she finally got round to writing the poem about the head. Um, and during that time, she'd written a great many other things, she'd um, read quite a few English books, she'd read, she'd become quite terms with you know, um, contacting her own poet, Rumi, was very important for her. So Rumi's a very important poet for the Hazara in Persian, and she started reading him in English, and that seemed to make some sort of strange connection. Um, and this is, the this is what she finally wrote about the head, and it's not a, oh, I, s I saw something terrible, oh, I, I had a trauma, oh, you know, it's not about her hurt at all. She set it within a bigger context, um, and it's a, this, is a, this poem is addressed to the, to the Taliban. And also I found out that it was a man's head, which I didn't realize at the time. To the Taliban. I haven't been to your hell for terrorizing theft or treachery, for stealing young boys and girls, but I've heard your thundery shootings, the yell of, of children, the cries of hearts. I haven't touched your grenades or your bullets, nor worn your chain of bullets around my neck and claimed jihad but I have touched broken lives, shattered glass, and walked on an injured land where blood oozes and boils until the steam reaches your nostrils. I haven't read the Quran you have read, where to kill is fine, where rape is acceptable, but I have read the Quran of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, where killing one person is killing all of humanity. I haven't felt the texture of your hairy face, your stained clothes, stained with bloodshed, stained with sins, heavy with all that is pulling you down. I have felt the texture of the man's white face that you killed. It was like the touch of a cloud. My eyes glitter with the shine of the martyrs. So that's gone all the way. And she's, and she's um, taken that story and turned it into art. Um, and that's, I think that, that's an amazing achievement. I would say that she's... It's quite, what people have been through is not the same as how traumatized they are. It's entirely about how they were held. And she was always with her mum, and her mum's an amazing person. She was always held. And she's, she's, um, so she's okay. There are, there are kids who've had sort of less, obviously, terrible things happen to them who are more traumatized. Um, but the, uh, I think it's, you can't really focus on lots of children in pain. I, I certainly can't. I can only manage two or three at, three at a time. So I thought you might like to hear about um, how Shakira went on and someone else she helped because she did, she did an extra year at school and we got a little bit of money from the Forward Foundation so she could be paid as a teaching assistant while she retook her A-levels. And during that time, I started another project up with Oxford University um, to get some home language poets in, because we've got 54 languages in our school, and some of them are very strong. And we started with Arabic, because we've got all kinds of Arabics across the school. And there's, you know, some kids just got mosque Arabic, but we've got 
um, lots of different Middle Eastern Arabics, Iraqis and Kurds and so on. And then we and we also had this contingent of um, Syrians who arrived as government-sponsored refugees in 2016, in the summer of 2016. Um, and we gathered these children to meet an Arabic poet. And they were they Im there was a kind of immediate outpouring of poetry in Arabic. It was I think it was just very powerful for them to gather to speak in their own language. Most of them are highly educated because the Syrians that make it all the way over here had money to start with because it's very, very expensive doing that journey. People, they, they sell up everything they have and bribe everyone they've got and they arrive here with nothing, but they usually started off with quite a lot. So we had these quite educated children who had a lot to say and poetry is very, very important in Arabic. So there was this kind of outpouring of stuff in Arabic which I had no idea what to do with. Um, and there was one particular girl who'd written, who wrote the most brilliant poem. She was, it was addressed to, to Eid in the grand Arabic man, manner. And the first line was, Eid, please do not come here because the children's new clothes are ripped and covered with blood. And it was you know, asking Eid, Eid in celebration not to visit Damascus. Um, and Shakila came to help me. And she, was fo she focused in on this girl as well and said, she's really good. We've got to get hold of her. And so I, I followed up, but I got into kind of a, a quite interesting fight with the girl's form teacher because she said it upset her, it made her cry, poetry made her cry, and therefore she mustn't be allowed to do poetry. So we couldn't, <laughs> getting hold of her was very difficult, and we had this kind of chase, um, which involved, we set up a guzzle club with um, Mona Arshi's help, where we had, we had, um, speakers of six different languages sitting around doing guzzles in English with different, and, and she, she, we managed to get her to come to that. But, what, but it was literally that, it was, the form teacher was not completely up the creek because it was true that every time the girl started writing, she cried. Um, and every time she, write, she wrote, and I, I've never told anyone, write about a disaster in your life. I would always say, you know, let's write a guzzle or let's write something with a rhyme or whatever. What about, why not write about a flower? But no, every time she sat down to write, she wrote about um, these deaths in Damascus, and then we realized that she'd actually seen three brothers die in front of her. And every time she started writing, she wrote very, very directly about that. And um, it was like a sort of a trauma that kept coming back. It was like the head was being bashed around the room. It was too much for anyone. Um, I'm going to read you this, is this. She wrote this, interestingly, with Google Translate. So she wrote this into English, but it's kind of Google Translate English. It's quite interesting. My martyr brother. My martyr brother, you were going out of life. Now you are lying in my heart and splitting me into pain. Do you hear me, my eyes? Eyes, will you come and witness this world with me? For you are still alive. You are not a symbol. You will not bend from hope. You will light the fire of my revolution, but cannot light my brother. Now my pen bleeds for him. Now I regret. There are tears in my eyes. I will never forget the paradise of the highest paradise, Lord. I will never forget the paradise of the supreme paradise, Lord. Brother, our Lord will be your dwelling place and your last home and my prayer. Lord, grant that I may bless you again. Lord, grant that our deaths may gather us together in a testimony for the freedom of our land. My brother, on one date, wait for me. So that was one of them. It's very, very formal and very, very Arabic. And then, f so 
it was really Shaquille rather than me, and I think that was telling. That does tell me something that she did value the therapeutic process of her writing as well as her writing, who insisted that we land her, and that we get <laughs> we get this kid in a room with a poem. So um, I booked the conference centre. I did not tell the form teacher. I ambushed her as she came out of science, and Shaquille took one arm and I took the other, and we sort of sat her down. Um, and we also, Shakira said, look, you've got to bring us something in Arabic. It's really important because it was important to me to read all that Rumi. So I, I went and just, I mean, I couldn't really find it. I got, I got Mahmoud Darwish's I Am From Here, which is conveniently in Arabic. It's a wonderful poem. It's in Arabic and in English. And we sat down and looked at that. And um, ev everything was apparently going great. You know, she was writing into English. She really, really liked Shakila. They really liked each other. And it was actually, it was very beautiful to see them talking together because they're from, I mean, probably they looked like two little girls in hijabs from the outside, but to each other they were actually enemies because um, she was, sh sh Shakila, as that whole piece just says, is Shia. And she's a, the Hazaras, who everyone oppresses, are Persian-speaking Shias who look Mongolian. They get thrown, they get treated terribly badly in Afghanistan by the Pashtu. They go over the border into Iran, where they're picked up because they look Mongolian and oppress some more. And the new kind of thing they do, do to them there is they round up a load of Hazara boys, maybe 17 years old, 18 years old, and they tell them, we'll give you a visa for your family and everything will be great once you come back for, from fighting for Assad for us. So when they, when they say on the radio about Afghan troops fighting for Iran, what they mean are Hazara boys rounded up from building sites sent off to die because nobody cares. So the people who killed Inas's brothers may well have looked like Shukriya's brothers, Shakida's brothers. So that, that it, it was, but they both sat there and translated and made versions of Mahmoud Darwish together and exchanged which words were in common in Persian and Arabic. And that's a really beautiful thing. Um, and we got to the end. I'm gonna, again, I'm gonna read you Inas's poem because it's really very beautiful in the, indeed. I am from there. I am from there and I have memories. I had friends and brothers. I had a tree around the corner from my house. Now I have a room and I see from my window green and cold buildings and birds still in colors. I remember my brothers, how they died. I want to forget everything. I know I must look to my future. I remember I walked and crossed the land and the sea when I came from there. I learned all the world. Yet I only remember the tears of my brothers as they came down when I saw the blood on my brother's body. I cannot forget this scene. And then she cried again. And then she told the form teacher. <laughs> and then, <laughs> so that was us. We were, and, and then I was really, almost at that point, I did give up. And uh, you do feel, yeah, maybe that's right. Maybe all you're doing is digging up a trauma and causing bigger pain. Um, and I had other things to do and I left it. And then, but about two months later, two younger Syrian girls appeared. And it's, it, this happens to me. I, I walk in the corridor in the school and then children appear and they hand me 
bunches of stuff, and I don't know what to do with it. I process it, especially when it's a different language. And they, they just said, here. And then they said, you have to find a translator for that. And, oh, for God's sake. Um, but it, it, I, I got someone from the university to translate it. And it's qu there was something very moving about translation, because things come to you quite slowly. Um, and then I realized that these two little girls were also making versions of I am from here. So can anyone teach me how to make a homeland? Heartfelt thanks if you can. Heartiest thanks from the house sparrows, the apple trees of Syria, and yours very sincerely, Amina Abu Quraish. And then um, there's a, I am from Syria, from a land where people pick up a discarded piece of bread so it doesn't get trampled on. From a place where a mother teaches her son not to step on an ant at the end of the day. From a place where a teenager hides his cigarette from his old brother out of respect. From a place where old ladies would water jasmine trees at dawn. From the neighbor's coffee in the morning. From after you, aunt, as you wish, uncle, with pleasure, sister. From the land of innocent natures, kind hearts, good company and laughter. From a place which endured, which waited, which is still waiting for relief. So I realized that actually it wasn't an end point. And in fact, Ines had taken that I am from their poem and shown it to the younger girls, and they were working versions of it. So the, 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 the poem was working its way through. And that process of being able to say what you want, put yourself in control, was having some effect. And I think one of, one of the things that you underestimate about refugees is Almost every refugee I've come to know well, every immigrant, has uh, the trauma of the lie inside them. Because when they come to this country, or many times before they come to this country, they have to tell a story, the story of themselves. And if they don't get the story right, they'll be thrown out. And th they, there are some people tell, almost everyone tells some kind of lie. Because nobody gets out of a war zone by being very nice. That's not how you get out. You could, and, and also, even if you have been very nice, even if you've been perfect, you have to tell the story again. So that, those lies weigh so heavily on children. So one of the reasons they can't um, settle or get rid of their pain is they can't tell the truth because they're carrying this lie inside them. If you remember how big a lie was inside you when you were 10, and that that's what they're carrying. They, and they know that their mums and dads are implicated in that. So if you can write a poem that's writing a kind of truth and that's kind of being heard that I think helps... Where was I? Oh, yeah. So there were the, these, um, the two girls. And I'm just going to uh, end with uh, there's an even smaller boy. And I man then I, I managed to gather Inas with these girls and, and confront her with the fact that she had actually been sharing the poems, and she agreed. Um, and she was pleased, in fact, to be doing that. And the, right at the very end of last term, just before the end of, of the year, we worked with um, a ridiculously cute and beautiful and naughty little boy called Mohammed, who um, I think was a, who, he, he wrote a beautiful poem about the garden of his home in Damascus when he was prince of it. Once he had everything, once he was the son of a refined cult cultured family in Damascus, and then everything was lost and he was two years in a camp in Lebanon. So he's like a very refined, beautiful little educated boy with absolutely feral manners on top. <laughs> he, will deal with, he, will, he will, you know, do anything in order to get protection and attention. But he, he wrote a couple of beautiful poems, and I'm just going to close on a very small poem that he wrote, which is, I think is about 
just the way that pain keeps coming back on you. It's a um, classic Arabic structure, and he took the word umi, which means mother, but it also means my community. The word umi, my mother, my beloved mother. When I go to my house, the pain of missing her arrives before me. <laughs>